All right, you're back in the DFSR. It's an NFL podcast on the Overtime Media Network, broadcasting, you know where, the Vivid Seats Lounge. I'm Doug Norrie, that is. James Davis. And we are coming at you with week two cash game plays for FanDuel and DraftKings. Coming off a really strong week one with our 50-50s that cashed basically every kind of contest, almost for every slate too. I was going to do the old raise your hand, turn it around, pat yourself on the back territory right now. I was kind of feeling like that on Sunday. It's carried over into into Wednesday just to let you know how the natural high works. How are you feeling looking at how cash games are kind of breaking down right now? We talked briefly about it off air and then we just figured we would save it we kind of we tag teamed our cash game article this week but just as a first glance going into week two do you think that we're seeing guys like we're doing the old they were good week one let's play them week two kind of thing do you think we're going to find enough value along maybe some guys that underperformed what is just like kind of your general overarching thought about cash games then we'll get into some uh some more specific plays well yeah i think so we're recording this on wednesday and i think there's actually a decent amount of sort of outstanding information that we need. And the big one there is whether Zeke is going to get his full run of snaps or not. Because right now, if you pencil him in for last year's snap numbers, he's an automatic play on FanDuel at 8,500, going up against the Redskins in a solid matchup. If you if we don't hear anything, it's a lot more unknown. And I think you and I perhaps disagree about whether he should be in lineups or not. Um, I would say that I, I also you're saying like, if you're saying if we disagree if we you're saying we disagree if we don't hear any news like if it's just radio silence we don't know like last week we heard that there was going to be some snap count kind yeah, of twenty five um, snap count right right um, this if you said we heard no news this is what you're saying we disagree I just want to clarify I suggest that we're going to hear news so I don't think we need to spend too much time debating whether we should play him on no news my general philosophy is uh, when it comes to so no news typically means that we're going to do the same thing in my experience in a case with a high profile guy like this that they just signed to an extension like i said we're just going to hear news that's the only question they're going to hear throughout the week and they're just going to answer it at some point on the off chance we don't hear any news i'm just going to assume it's the same thing because why wouldn't i i also think there are some pretty solid plays uh, at the running back slot this week um some guys that you know maybe not all the casual fans will want to see there but but still some solid plays regardless. And, and I think we do have some solid value elsewhere too, like, you know, guys like uh, that we'll get to, I'm sure, at wide receiver. So, yeah, I think lineups could be pretty good. I, I don't think they're perfect right now, but I think they're heading in the right direction. Yeah, and I'd like, you know, look, again, you mentioned it before. We record this on Wednesday. People will listen to this over the course of the week, so it's good to know when this is coming in. We update really all of our projections in real time when we hear news. We get, we're in the chat room talking about you know our thought process. So if you want a chance at that, you go over to dfsr.com slash deals and you sign up for a free trial to our projection system because uh, this stuff all does happen in real time. But we want to give a little lay of the land leading into the week because I think, you know, I think some plays we can kind of, we can at least narrow down the positions to, you know, in a, in a huge player pool. I think we're going to be, a lot of the names we're going to talk about today will probably end up somewhere around our cash game podcast, if not all of them. Let's start a quarterback. Um, we let off. I, I I did handle the quarterback section here, and I'm wondering your thoughts because I went back to the well a little bit on Lamar Jackson, and I'm just wondering what you think, you know, just without seeing the reasoning, when you see Lamar Jackson kind of leading this off, knowing the kind of game he had last week, and we played him, and, and we've been not quiet about that, but when you see him back in the list again, do you think it's a little too much of 
uh, kind of buying into this maybe outlier performance that happened in week one? Do we feel like this kind of thing is sustainable? I have some cases for, but I was kind of expecting maybe some cases against about going back to the well with Lamar Jackson here. Right. So for starters, I think Lamar Jackson had enough value baked into the price that it doesn't surprise me that he would be back again this week in spite of a, a fairly significant price increase. Uh, so that's the first thing I'll say. You know, it's it's understandable if you just go based on what we saw last year, even if you ignore that week one ever happened. I think one of the most common misconceptions about how at least we do our DFS projections is that we're just like looking like this happens in baseball it seems like every night where we're writing up a guy for the next day it's like Jock Peterson we're like duh he just hit two home runs last night it's like actually that's not even the system doesn't even know that he hit two home runs last right. night right um this can happen in football as well although of course especially at skill position guys sometimes that increase in performance was based on an increase in opportunity and in the NFL I'd say the NFL more so than any other sport, um, you know, opportunity is just dictated by the specific game plan of the day. And so, you know, it also tends to change the most from week to week. You don't see quite as much variability uh, even in the NBA. So uh, all that being said, when I look at what Lamar did last week, I think there actually is cause for concern uh, based on what we really liked about him uh, coming into the season. So he had... And granted, there are reasons for this, of course, but he had just three carries for six yards, okay, last week. The fewest carries he had in any game since becoming the starter last year were nine, and that was against the Chargers in the postseason. And when games were really mattering and they were on the line, he was touching the ball more like, you know, 15 to 20 times a game or on the ground, right? And so I am concerned, like I really like what we saw in the passing, so don't get me wrong, better tools, et cetera, et cetera. But if we like Lamar Jackson because he was this explosive running quarterback, I just want to know your opinion on how much we, you think we can count on that. Obviously, like a game they win by 49 points where he's not playing in the fourth quarter isn't the best proxy for this. But uh, what do you think in terms of how much we can trust the running game going forward here? Yeah, I think we can trust the running game less, and I think we can trust the passing game more. And I'm not sure if it completely comes out in the wash on the two. It probably doesn't. And yet I still think that we got so much more from the passing game than I thought it was going to be. That it I was think even it's possible, closer. Right? I mean, that was that was six games worth of touchdowns for the guy. But. Of course, of course. And I think that the fact that they there's there's slightly new personnel here. They clearly had a more they clearly had a plan set up more around his passing that was going to really highlight what he was maybe able to do in the past. He wasn't forced at all to actually have to run. I know they didn't call many design run plays for him, and that's a slight concern. And I also think that there's a pretty high floor on what he's going to be able to do in the passing game with maybe the having your cake eating it too, that if he is under pressure or that things aren't going perfect in the passing game, they can possibly just revert back to what they did last year. It's almost like they have a bunch of tools in their tool chest now with him that we didn't even have to see the first part. We didn't have to see the thing that we knew he could do really well that he did last year because the, because this other thing that no one knew was coming was so electric and amazing. And I'm not thinking he's going to get a throw for five touchdowns again. So on the one hand, yes, I'm concerned about the run game. And I also think that we might get there's – a, there's a scenario where we get best of both worlds with him, right? And so yeah. um, in, in a certain kind of game. And I, and I think that like, – like, for instance, I feel like it's safe to say that three rushing attempts in a game – might be the lowest he has all season when it's all, when it's all said and done. I'm not guaranteeing it, but man, from what we've already seen from this guy between what he did, what he did in college and just with his legs and then what we did last year, that feels like an insanely low number unless there's just an edict that says you're never allowed to run again. And that might be the case. I'm not totally sure. So there's that piece. The other piece is 
They're big favorites. I'm actually a little concerned that they just keep it on the ground. That would be my that would be my other concern with him. But Arizona, the idea for them coming into this game into the season was they were going to play at a much faster pace than they did last year, just because that's kind of what Kingsbury did and in, in college, and that really did bore out. They allowed the second most yards from scrimmage, excuse me, the second most plays last week, and that again I, that went to overtime, so it's that's padded a little bit on the line side. But also, I just read a stat from Derek Hardy. So I'll give him a shout out that had said the um, the difference in adjusted play time that they were running between the difference, the speed at which the Arizona was calling plays and running them was the difference between them, which was easily the fastest and the number two fastest team in this was the same difference as the number two team and the 18th team. Like they were just running plays at such mm. a faster clip than anybody else in the NFL. And if you think, and we talked this about this in the past, that if pace matters, just in terms, it's just like in basketball, pace matters for the oppo- for the opponent just as much as it matters for the. Actually, in fact, right, frankly, matters more for the other team just because a team's pace is already baked into their own price. Um, if we think that the pace is a real thing here, that he just might be looking at way more plays as well. So I think between all those factors, I actually just really feel pretty comfortable going back to it this week. Mostly just from a floor perspective, I just can't imagine a scenario where he kills you on these prices. Maybe he's not going to go. It's unlikely for him to be the highest scoring quarterback again in the week. And I just think that I just can't imagine a scenario where we look at him at the end of the week and say he went one and a half X on his price. So that's my long, long, long winded answer on Lamar. No, I think it's fair. I think the point about the point about the running is solid too, where you could argue that the plan is to run when the pass isn't working. And since, since we didn't get a chance to see the pass not working last week, that, you know, as soon as that happens, you probably could see him go back to being a 10 carry a game guy. I mean, we've seen that, like Russell Wilson is a guy who comes to mind there as, as a guy who's starting off with the pass and then will turn to the run if the pass isn't working. So, yeah, I, and I think, he, again, he's still probably too cheap. I mean, he's coming off a week where he dropped 34 fantasy points, almost all of which were in the first half, right? So I think he's playable. I think the buzz is significant, and you're probably not exposing yourself to quite as much risk, honestly, as you were last week when we played him at 10% ownership in cash. All right, let's move on. Uh, the other guy I wrote up, uh, which is not, not one of the ones that takes a lot of digging into stats to think about playing in cash, is just Patrick Mahomes. I, the, I, I think, I, uh, at least for these first two weeks, I'm getting the sense that there's a chance that we might just be paying up at quarterback and running back and going mid-tier and wide receiver. And I don't know if that's going to be a season-long kind of trend or if we're just not seeing enough cheap running back value that tends to emerge as injuries occur. And that's maybe we're just not in that kind of week. But Mahomes is another one. It was kind of Tyreek Hill, or no Tyreek, no problem last week. Tyreek played 12 snaps, and Mahomes still shredded the Jacksonville defense and with really with very little effort. He's only about 10, he's, a, well, I said only, he's about 10% more than Mahomes. Would, you, would it make Jackson, you just feel you better? Did you, he's 10% more than Jackson. Uh, sorry, 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 yeah, sorry, he's more than, sorry, I was 10% more than Jackson. Uh, would it make you feel better to just pay that extra 10% and sort of just know what we're getting with Mahomes because he's in another pretty nice matchup here. And we just know that this guy is about as good as it gets when it comes to a fantasy commodity, a quarterback. Yeah, I mean, sight unseen, of course, it's always going to feel better to see Mahomes' name than Jackson's name. Uh, I obviously want to see where we're going to pay down elsewhere to make up for that because it is a funny week. Like, I I think the major reason we're not going to pay up a wide receiver is because all the expensive wide receivers sucked week one. So, (laughs) like, you're not going to feel super safe really running any of those guys out there. And so for that reason, you'll just take your safety elsewhere. I think Mahomes... Uh, you did a whole article that basically the, the thesis was that Mahomes is the best player ever, <laughs> that he's right. super safe and, uh, you know, just presents the highest floor on a week-to-week basis to say nothing of, 
actually pre- presenting the highest ceiling as well. So I would feel great playing Mahomes. I don't know. That, that's It doesn't seem like a, a hard one to sell him. Yeah, I'm not going to spend a lot of time on this one. It's just Patrick Mahomes. The guy was otherworldly, and we can probably just move on. I think you could be pretty safe. It's against Oakland. Oakland looked decent against Denver last week, and yet uh, Casey is still pretty big favorites, and I don't think we need to spend a lot of time. Mahomes, I think he's almost going to be an excellent cash play week-to-week basis. Now, the last guy, and I wanted to switch it up a little bit just based on pricing, is Josh Allen. Allen kind of did what Josh Allen does, which is to say not complete a lot of his passes and still get out and run. He, he made up 9.8 fantasy points just on the ground again last week between 38 rushing yards and a touchdown. He faces a Giants team whose defense looked like, I mean, thank Giants had to be so happy that Miami just was out there getting trounced in week one, and that became the story of how bad they were. The Giants really weren't so far behind them in terms of protect or just getting to the passer Dak had one of the best games of his career last week the Giants defense is horrible Josh Allen's really cheap on DraftKings he's 50 5300 on DraftKings so you're getting a huge savings over there could you see trotting him out there knowing you're getting him for about 2,000 less uh, than the guys we just mentioned and does he have a high enough floor because we've seen him be able to do with his legs yeah, I think Josh Allen's still probably a somewhat solid play. I think it's going to be sort of a heart attack, but um, especially given how the rest of the running game looked compared to Josh Allen, I think they're probably just going to keep going back to it. And I don't think, like unlike Lamar Jackson, let's say, where there's a chance that the Ravens look at this and they're like, this is our quarterback for 10 years. This guy could be in the Hall of Fame or whatever they might be thinking right now. I don't know that the Bills really have the same perspective on Josh Allen. I think they'll be pretty cavalier with just letting him run all over the place because if they were doing it last year with absolutely nothing on the line, there's nothing to suggest that they would want to scale that back. Like, at least the Ravens had a reason to do it last year. They had playoff ambitions and a really good team around it. Uh, the Bills are just like, whatever, man. Just run your best, and let's just see what happens. So, yeah, Allen. Yeah, there's not, popular... like, a single other exciting thing on our team. Yeah. Exactly, yeah. He's, he's just sell, if he's going to sell tickets for a little while while we bridge the gap to the next relevant Bills team five years from now, then, then so be it. Um, and maybe, who knows, maybe he will turn into a guy who can turn fantasy success into real-life success as well. But, yeah, any given week, Josh Allen will be one of the most popular naked quarterbacks for big tournaments, like the guys that you can throw in there uh, without any of the wide receivers on the team just because of the multi-touchdown run potential. Yeah, I think that's where I land with him. Again, the Giants, look, the the Bills are two-and-a-half-point road favorites over the Giants. So Giants can do, again, the look-yourself-in-the-mirror territory here when the Bills come in as favorites going into New Jersey. That just really speaks to how bad the Giants are this season. So I think if you're looking for savings and you want to spend up at some of these other positions, Allen, specifically on DraftKings, does offer that kind of, uh, that, that kind of sort of safety cons- when you factor in the price along with it. All right, let's take a quick break. We'll be right back. If you're headed to a game this year and you need tickets, there's only one place to go, and that's Vivid Seats. It's super easy. You go to the App Store, download the Vivid Seats app. You use the promo code OVERTIME. That's O-V-E-R-T-I-M-E. And you save up to $100 on all ticket purchases, first-time customers only. Once again, Vivid Seats. Use the promo code OVERTIME. It's that easy. Get tickets. Go to the game. You won't regret it. All right, let's talk running backs here. Oh, but man, you led this thing. Okay, we mentioned the Zeke thing, so we got that out of the way first. That 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 all changes if we hear news. Cool. You meant you started the talk with James Conner. You got to sell me here on mm-hmm. James Conner. Um, I did not love the snap count, and I'm just a little worried that Jalen Samuel is part of the process here. Talk to me about a James Conner 
cash game play against Seattle. I'm not feeling it, but you know a lot about this stuff, and I feel like you're going to be able to convince me by the end. <laughs> so for starters, the Steelers lost by 30 points last week. So that's you know another article you did leading up to this season was how running back attempts are influenced by game script and you know with typically leading into the game we'd look at Vegas and say okay Vegas is going to do a pretty good job of projecting the game script just with the the overall spread and the total and this game I don't think went how really anyone would have guessed it uh Pittsburgh was down early they were down 20 at halftime that's just not a good recipe for RB1 success uh granted Connor didn't the thing you don't like about Connor is not the snap count in my opinion um it's the fact that he didn't look good when he was out there uh, but it's not like Jalen Samuels had 13 carries and Connor had 10. It's just they only had 12 planned runs from scrimmage all game. Um, so there's that. And then the other thing is that Connor, he still was out there in spite of this outrageous game script. He caught four passes uh, for 44 yards, so he looked pretty good from that perspective. And they're just three-point favorites again coming up here against Seattle. I think the other, if you just look at last season's pricing, Connor is also significantly cheaper than he was. At that point, so basically my perspective is that, you know, if he was an $8,500 running back at the end of last season, why would one game in the worst possible game script against the toughest possible opponent make him worth 10% less? Like, that just doesn't make any sense to me. I don't think Jalen Samuels is knocking on the door anywhere near the same way you do. I don't think uh, Pittsburgh has always shown actually a tendency to do the opposite, which is just to lean on one bell cow back and given that there's actually more transition and uncertainty in the passing game this year uh, with Juju being the number one wide receiver and being a little bit banged up, I just think Connor's going to touch the ball a ton this game. So um, yeah, I'll take Connor. I'll take the discount and understanding that yeah, there might be not a whole lot of ownership here on him. So Yeah, um, I, think, I, I think I'm most of the way there with him, uh, especially when I look at some of his other names. Because if we just want to do the strict where does Vegas land on some of these favorites, there really aren't there's not a ton here. We talked about the Baltimore situation and, you know, there's maybe a case to go back for marking them. They're 13 point favorites. Uh, the other big favorites here, Houston is a minus nine home favorite. You, you're worried about the Carlos Hyde, Duke Johnson split there. I don't think you can really trust either. Uh, New England is up to 19 point favorites on the road. And they had, they used three running backs last week between Sonny Michelle, James White. I mean, he's mostly a receiver. And then they actually did bring in Rex Burkhead uh, for some carries and some touches. Uh, so you, And that, that game's just got too much blow potential. And then you got Pittsburgh minus four. And so um, yeah, there's one other one. There's, uh, excuse me, there's Casey minus seven and a half, which maybe we can talk about a little bit uh, further down the line here. But uh, Pittsburgh minus four, that, that represents really kind of the biggest maybe known quantity that you have from a Vegas line standpoint. So, yeah, I think I'm mostly with you. Um, I just, I mean, and I, you're probably going to do a good job here of talking me off the ledge of, of week one and not buying so much into what happened week one, uh, especially when it comes to script. I'm most of the way there. Well, yeah, so you well, got these other, so let's just compare him to some other guys in a similar price range. I think that's valuable. Basically everyone in Connor's price range right now are people that had extremely hot week ones. So it's Dalvin Cook uh, going up against a Green Bay off defense that just bottled up the Chicago running game that people were excited about going into the season. Um, you have Austin Eckler, who we'll talk about in a second, who I actually like. Uh, but another guy whose price jumped by almost $1,000 on FanDuel. Uh, you have Derrick Henry, uh, who price again jumped almost $1,000 on the back of a 75-yard touchdown reception. Uh, you have Mark Ingram, who actually did split carries with Gus Edwards, uh, but happened to get two touchdowns. So his price also jumped $1,000. Marlon Mack, uh, his price jumped about $600, um, again, based on just an absolutely enormous week one in terms of total yardage. And then you have Chris Carson, who 
whose price is also up another 800 because of essentially scoring two touchdowns and having you know not outrageous usage or anything so basically you're seeing all these guys whose price jumped 10 to 15 percent and then you're seeing connor uh, whose price has remained roughly the same and i think you know in the old buy low sell high category sure we definitely learn things from week one but i think in the case of especially some of these guys who just had good results but had about the usage that we would have projected i just don't think you want to go overboard and i think that there's going to be a lot of people very tempted to buy high based on one week of performance. I'm much more likely to buy low based on one week of performance. So. And a lot of those guys you mentioned, uh, you know, Mac is an underdog this week and really got all of his stuff on the ground. They're just not going to use him in the passing game. That's got to be a concern. Um, you mentioned Eckler. We can talk. We are going to talk about him one second. I'm pr- a little concerned about the Carson play, uh, but not going to go crazy with that one. And who are the other guys you mentioned in that price range? Uh, we probably know. Oh, there's Joe Mixon. He's also hurt. Uh, Dalvin and, Cook, and, and, you might like, and, but and, he's got a tough matchup. And right, and like Mixon, um, it, Gio Bernard is going to do a lot of the passing stuff there, so you're concerned about that. Uh, the Dalvin Cook thing is an underdog, and they did bring in Madison for a bunch of passing for a bunch of sort of like passing downs last week. So yeah, I think that I'm I'm mostly with I think I'm mostly in the play. We mentioned you mentioned Eckler. Eckler had 12 carries and seven targets last week. He very much looks like the guy. Are, are we in a situation with Eckler where the price again? started low enough and hasn't come up like you think that's where we were because like there's usually there's typically a correction on prices and usually with guys there's just not enough like it's like this happened with james Conner last week he started so low and the the algorithms that make the pricing just simply can't bump up a guy enough a week over week so you get them maybe at two weeks or three weeks out of discount the discount gets less and less but discount nonetheless do you see that with eckler here as well yeah so i think i don't know that eckler is at a huge discount right now but Based on the usage last week, I really do see him as sort of a poor man's Alvin Kamara. Um, you know, he outsnapped, or I'm sorry, outcarried Justin Jackson two to one. So you like to see that he's the more featured back in the running game. But the way they used him in the passing game was really reassuring to me. I mean, getting seven targets is a lot more than most running backs will get. I think that also at least speaks to the fact that he could be involved if the game goes in an unexpected direction. Like so much of our running back risk from week to week comes from games like James Conner had last week, right? Where you just get kind of scripted out of the game and then other guys are on the field. So someone like Marlon Mack, who never catches balls out of the backfield, or at least didn't last week, uh, is a lot more at risk to be totally scripted out of the game than someone like Eckler, who was targeted seven times and was super effective on those seven targets. So yeah, I just see him as just a really good player. And I think he's kind of game script proof here, unless basically unless it's a huge blowout and then maybe they lean on Justin Jackson. But uh, I also think the Chargers are somewhat incentivized to just let Eckler look incredible and to be higher volume, knowing that it influences their negotiations with Melvin Gordon, too. And by the way, I mean, after seeing Eckler week one, why why would you give Melvin Gordon anything more than... Uh, he'll just come back. A, he's just, yeah, he's the just league minimum, yeah. right? What a crazy... Yeah. That's just a crazy situation. So, yeah. Um, so, yeah, I like Eckler this week. I don't know. I, I can't read the tea leaves on him. I don't know if people feel like he's you know, just a, a run hot candidate from week one, or if they think he's a buy low option going forward. But I personally see him as around an $8,000 running back. And uh, unless, unless we see something dramatically different this game. Yeah. Uh, mostly with it there. You also wrote up Chris Carson. Are you at all concerned about him coming into this game as an, like we mentioned Connor on the other side as being uh, in such a good spot as a four point favorite here. Are you concerned at all that Carson even with the usage, is a four-point underdog here. Is there, are there ways that you can see him getting scripted out of the game, or do you feel good enough with just the way they use him on the ground? No, yeah, he was also used in the passing game last week too. So I actually don't 
I mean, I don't really love Carson this week. I would rather not play him, especially when I compared to um, Connor and who's the other guy I just talked about for hours? Eckler. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I, so they're all basically in the same price range, and this, and this, at least on Fanduel, um, they're all priced in a very similar range. And I think if I was just looking on Fanduel and I could only play two of those guys, I would probably just go in the direction of Connor and Eckler. But yeah, I think. There's a good case to be made, especially when you're just comparing, you know, these guys apples to apples against the other options that are available, that Carson is, is still a reasonable option, especially on DraftKings where the price is more affordable. Um, like his price jumped up to 7400 on FanDuel, but it's just 6400 on DraftKings, which, you know, is $400 cheaper than Connor and uh, could tip the scales in his direction there. I think when it comes to the game-by-game game breakdown that we'll put out in the next couple days, uh, either Thursday or Friday, you, we're going to spend a little more time talking about guys like Todd Gurley and Alvin Kamara as well. I want to get your thoughts later in the week about Todd Gurley and where we kind of land on him because he's at 7000 on FanDuel, and that's looking like that's going to be a pretty enticing price. Well, let's to, just nod to it now. I don't, him, I don't think there's any reason to later on in the week. And Kamara, too, is just a higher-priced option in a game that has easily the high. Okay, go ahead. Make, make the quick case for either one of these guys I, like, um, and just knock it out here. Well, so I think Kamara is a good play. I think especially on DraftKings, you know, where you get the extra boost from the PPR, you could just play him. I don't think there's really, you don't really need to talk about it for too long. The the one note I have on Gurley is that when they when he was touching the ball, he looked terrific, but it really was a pure timeshare with Malcolm Brown, and he lost both touchdowns, and um, both of those were essentially goal line carries. You know, one was from the five, and one was from the goal line. And if you think Gurley is not going to get the goal line carries which, you know, tend to be really high-impact carries where you're going to get hit, then he just might not be... It might it might be tough to roll him out there, even if he's going to touch the ball 14 times a game, if he's just not going to touch the ball inside the five-yard line. So um, understanding that 7000 is an absurd price for Gurley, and there's going to be a week probably where he just punches a couple in from 16 yards out or whatever. But yeah, it was really, really troubling to me to see him get marched off the field in goal line situations. Yeah. Okay. I mean, I think that. Yeah. I, I, look, there's a lot. There's going to be a lot of options here. I think this week. Um, there's, there's a couple of these guys that we have question marks about. There's a couple, like you said, buy low candidates, and there are some of these. And we're going to wait in the Zeke news. So I think running back is this position that we're going to, probably just need the rest of the week to really just sift through. But I feel pretty confident because among the guys mentioned here, I feel good about most of them. And when you feel like that, you're, I think you're going to walk into a situation where we are feeling good about whoever it is we play. All right, let's move on to let's move on to wide receiver here. I just I just don't know when we're going to see a week just based on sort of just the consistency around the positions and just what we've seen from even some of these high priced wide receivers in the past. I think we're just going to need an injury to a running back before or just a crazy week. I mean, maybe like whatever week to week, this stuff changes so much, but I just feel like we're going to need almost like an injury to a running back until we get really feel great about just paying complete top dollar for some of these wide receivers. I, I started with Sammy Watkins. Do you think, what do you think Sammy Watkins' ownership is going into this week? He's up to 7,400 on FanDuel, 72 on DraftKings, but no Tyreek Hill. I don't think it's a matter of whether or not he's a play. It's just sort of a matter of like, how owned he is where do you do you, have, you want to take any stab at where his ownership ends up on these sites or that's just kind of like not your not your bag well i won't give a percentage but i think he'll be the highest owned wide receiver uh, especially compared with a lot of the other options uh he's very obviously wide receiver one sort of value and i think many systems will understandably have him with just more raw points than most of the guys who are more expensive than him this week and if that's the case he'll just be an obvious right. play i mean 
Um, yeah, you're, you'll see some volatility, but we, what we saw with Tyreek Hill last season was that when your quarterback is Patrick Mahomes, like you just don't have as much volatility as you might if you're playing in Buffalo, you know, the way Watkins was before. Right. So, uh, yeah, I think it's a it's a late breakout for Watkins, but I think we saw hints of it last season, and I, I have no reason to believe it won't continue going into this year. Right now, we have him as the second proje- second highest projected wide receiver on the slate, and that's not factoring any single thing that he did last week in terms of like his stats. Um, it factors in just usage and yeah, the amount of points Casey is, and opportunity, and you know where Casey kind of lands with their implied points and how you redistribute some of that stuff. But other than that, um, we're not factoring in really the, the the yards and the touchdowns from last week, and he's still sitting right up there with these other names that, you know, DeAndre Hopkins, Michael Thomas, Devontae Adams, Juju Smith-Schuster, that if you're just thinking about the top wide receivers in the game, that's kind of where Watkins' projection is landing right now. I do think, I agree with you, I think he's the highest owned uh, wide receiver on both slates, and I don't think we're going to be going out on a limb by making a case for him. Now, after him, I did kind of struggle a little bit into where we're going to land because I don't want to pay up for any of those other guys that we mentioned. A lot of, some of them are, again, walking into bad situations. There was just this group of guys in the 6,000-ish, 5,000, 6,000-ish range, like, and then on FanDuel, and then, you know, ranging anywhere from, like, 4,500 to, let's say 4,000 to 5,000, mid-5,000s on on DraftKings, that I kind of just could make a case for all of them. Let me just, I'm just going to run down the list of guys that I thought about, and then um, you tell me just kind of who jumps out to you, because we're going to start going a little long here. I thought about Tyler Boyd. I thought about John Ross. I thought about Danny Amendola. I thought about all of the Arizona wide receivers, honestly, uh, but mostly Kirk and Fitzgerald. Uh, and there was one other guy that I was kind of, a Cortland Sutton kind of ran, rang in there, yes. coming pretty cheap. <laughs> I mean, the, but uh, I'm just saying that this list, I, look, when we, when we focus on the $8,000 and $7,000 range for, for running back, and we talked about a couple expensive quarterbacks, all of a sudden, mm-hmm. you kind of just start running out of money. And I don't think I want to pay for any of those, quote unquote, wide receiver one types, uh, considering the price in the matchup. So uh, any of those names just kind of jump out to you as you'd feel okay about it or... Are we going to just maybe want to pay up? I ended up writing up Boyd, Ross, and... Oh, don't give it away. Amendola. Don't give it away. Uh, you gave it oh, away. Oh, sorry. Got it. <laughs> but that's okay. So the name that jumped out to me uh, was one of the guys on your list, and that's Danny Amendola. Uh, Amendola this week, 3,900 on DraftKings. And given the target share he got last week, I think it was like 29% target share or something like that. and Or maybe it was 30. Given that he had such a huge target share, he was getting you know, some of those looks I thought Galladay might be getting. And we've seen him perform this way in the past. And, you know, Stafford has shown a tendency in the past. Uh, people will remember, like, when Golden Tate was there, for instance, uh, he's not shy at all about trying to hook up with guys coming out of the slot, uh, putting together big games for both of them in the process. So Amendola right now, yeah, 5,400 on FanDuel, 3,900 on DraftKings. I think he's basically, you know, a similar quality receiver to many of those other guys that you mentioned except he's $1,000 cheaper than all of them. So I think Amendola will be this week's sort of D.D. Westbrook, uh, the popular cheap play, uh, especially on DraftKings, where they're just essentially giving him the play, giving him away. Uh, tough matchup for Galladay this week as well. So, um, so yeah, all that combined leads me to thinking that he's not going to be as highly owned as Watkins or anything, but I, I think a lot of people will be on top of Danny Amendola this week. Yeah, Galladay's going to draw Casey Hayward shadow coverage, it looks like. That's just a pretty bad spot to be in. Uh, Amendola draws the easiest matchup in the slot. Uh, looks like probably Desmond King, so um, just in terms of overall rating. And if you're just looking for just strict PPR, this is just like you're sort of like Julian Edelman, how many passes can he catch over the middle and just rack up. Maybe he's not going to get – maybe he doesn't have a lot of touchdown equity here, but can he just make it up 
by just catching all of this the kind of sort of dink and dunk stuff that and it looks like that's going to be the plan so I feel pretty good about the Amendola play and like I said I did write up Ross and Boyd I don't feel amazing about those two uh, I probably easily like I said easily could have just gone the Fitzgerald and Kirk route um, they kind of all existed in the same territory maybe those are the guys that we end up kind of landing Keyshawn Johnson got a lot of targets too I'm a little distrustful of that just on his snap count because uh, he clearly was like the third guy in the Arizona wide receiver camp it will be interesting to see how other sites evaluate some of these crazy breakout games that we saw in week one um, you know the Hollywood Brown kind of guys the DJ Charks like if people are going to go completely overboard or maybe they're correct in these guys being able to replicate some of their big stuff, I'm a little distrustful of it, but um, and maybe that's where we get a little separation. Let's finish it off with tight ends. Uh, you went one expensive guy and one cheap guy. Give me the quick tight end notes here, uh, and then we'll get out of here. Yeah, tight end this week, I think um, it's not too difficult, I don't think, compared to what, the way tight end can be sometimes. I do think George Kittle will be another highly owned tight end this week. Uh, we played him. I think he had almost 30% cash game ownership on FanDuel. Another guy who the price has come down on slightly after an underwhelming fantasy point total week one. Uh, but I think just all the, the underlying signs are still very solid. Um, the 49ers obviously had some difficulties offensive, offensively, but Kittle still was targeted 10 times in the passing game. The next highest guys had three targets. So whatever, you know, I made a point going into last week that uh, Garoppolo didn't pass to Kittle as much as Mullins did, but that all seems to yeah. be, they, they seem to know where their bread is buttered, I guess is what I'll say. And given that the prices come down, it just seems like a value to me. Um, you know, turning 10 targets into eight catches for 54 yards, eventually those will turn into touchdown scores and that kind of thing as well. Um, I don't think he's very no. controversial. We can talk about him for a long time if you'd like, but um, I guess the next, the next sort of tier down, I'm curious to know your thoughts on because... I think, especially on DraftKings, uh, things start to get pretty interesting. So let's talk about the guy who I think is, you know, the emerging guy, uh, who's Mark Andrews for Baltimore. He was targeted eight times in the passing game last week, turned that into eight catches for 108 yards. Uh, the Ravens now have this new high-flying young receiver core, uh, and that should space the field quite a bit for Andrews uh, with the underneath stuff. Uh, so he's just 3,800. But then we have, you know, re-emerging favorite uh, Evan Ingram, who was targeted 14 times last week. He turned that into 11 catches. Um, he, as I pointed out in the write-up, also was targeted 26 times across the final three games of 2018. Um, where are you landing sort of with tight end here? Because I think on FanDuel, I think I'll just go with Kittle. But on DraftKings, for me, it, it gets a little closer. So um, curious. Yeah, I'm going to throw one more name in on DraftKings. Yeah, I'm going to throw one more name on DraftKings, and that's TJ yeah, Hawkinson. Yeah, that's a good one, He's only 3,000, and so I think that 3, there's going to be yeah, some... That's, that's a good price. Yeah, I think there's going to be some... That's where there's going to be some decision-making time here because they've really kind of done another Daria into playing a really, really cheap tight end mm -hmm. with him specifically. And now He's not going to go 8 for 8 again, uh, but I did read a stat. Actually, I, I looked this up because I was looking at you some You mean Hawk, Hawkinson stats. didn't go 8 for 8? Are you talking about Andrews? Oh, sorry. I, I was. I'm, I'm talking. Sorry. Uh, Hawkinson went uh, six for nine for 131 on a touchdown. But he averaged the most air yards among all receivers last week. Like you know, his, his the, the 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 ball traveled down the far, field the farthest to get him uh, you know, over the course of a game. Uh, um, 
uh, was it all receivers or all tight ends? It was one of those two, but whatever. It was, he, they were targeting him deep down the field. So I think that um, I think him his use in the passing game for Detroit is probably also a real thing just on the way they were kind of using him. So I think there's going to be a real question mark around, do you go super cheap with Andrews or Hawkinson? I think they're both great plays. Uh, the Ingram thing, he's just the wide receiver one for the Giants. They are still the Giants, and they're going to probably be playing from behind all season long. So you kind of like that. And then I like we talked about before with Kittle, Kittle is just an absolutely elite guy. So I think that... This is one that's probably going to take some tinkering and really figuring out. I do not want to play two tight ends, but sometimes when tight ends, these guys are just, especially on DraftKings, are just cheaper than the their counterparts at wide receiver and sometimes just have just as much in terms of target share as those guys, and yet it just come you know, 10 to 20% or maybe even more cheaper, uh, more cheaper, geez. They just come cheaper. It's uh, <laughs> ruining my thought by just adding the, not knowing how to do a spoiler. Okay, well, uh, not a spoiler. Geez, I'm really blown it here. Anyway, I think that's going to be a question. I don't have a strong feeling among those four. I think it's going to be where the rest, of the rest of the lineup plays out. And I do like the fact that we have four, what I would consider to be very good options at different price tiers. So that actually, in the end, I feel pretty good about it because I think there's a lot of flexibility and I'm not really willing to make a challenge call on any of them right now. Is that fair enough, or is I, did I hedge too much on? on my I think that's fair. I think I think you make a great point that so often who we wind up playing at a given position comes down to what our options are at other positions. And I think about I think sometimes even writing up a cash game article, sort of independent, like each position independent of the other ones, makes for weird situations where the guys in your cash game article aren't actually in your lineup in the end of the week, and that can make you look weird or you know like you're hiding your good lineups or whatever and sometimes it's just that you can't see how the pieces are going to come together so yeah i think you're right i think just given the fact that we have multiple options across different price points will allow flexibility and will allow us like we talked about some more uncertainty at the running back slots even at wide receiver too um i think that will give us the flexibility we need there so yeah overall i think there's a lot to feel good about this week i could see you know, there was some places the chalk went last week that were a little bit surprising. I wouldn't be surprised if this week things were spread out just a little bit more uh, because, yeah, just a lot of this stuff is just going to be up to individual opinion. And, you know, sometimes that's where you can make the most money in this game. Let me give one example of what I mean by Hawkinson, and then we'll get out of here. Like, if you took a savings on, ha- on Hawkinson to pay up for, like, DeAndre Hopkins, and that was the payoff you got somewhere else, then I'd be less excited about playing Hawkinson. So I just want to try to, like put it into practice about what I mean by like taking a cheap guy. Like if, if that just got me the raw points on DeAndre Hopkins against Jalen Ramsey this week, then I'd probably be like, no, thanks. Right. Like, I just don't think that payoff is worth it. If it gets me, you know, three stud running backs uh, across the board and that's sort of where the, the numbers lay out, then I think that is worth it. So I think that this is where it just becomes very much a, if this, then that uh, situation on some of these plays. So I just wanted to kind of clarify what I meant by where, when you get the savings. All right. Yeah. I think that's a good call. I think, right. If you can go from say you're, say you're chilling on, you know, you have like James Conner and you can get up to Alvin Kamara or something like that. That's an absolutely worthwhile savings. And the difference between Andrews and Hawkinson uh, wouldn't be as significant. So, yeah, I think that's a, a good distinction, bud. All right. On that very, very positive note, let's get out of here. DFSR.com slash deals will get you started as a podcast listener uh, to the projection system that we've been talking about all podcasts. That's powered by our good friends over at Lineup Lab. Optimal lineups, you know what it is. It's optimal lineups for FanDuel and DraftKings. NFL, MLB, NBA coming right around the corner, you know, less than probably a month and a half away. So it's all covered under one subscription package. We don't section it off like some of these other sites where you pay for a baseball subscription or you pay for a football subscription or you pay who wrote the articles. We don't do that. James and I do all the stuff. We do all the numbers and we, you get what, you know, you get the stuff that we put out and it's covered for all sports. So DFSR 
Dot-com slash deals will get you started. Buddy, we'll be back later in the week, although it's only midway through the week, a little bit later in the week, talking game-by-game game breakdown for week two. Until then, we can just stare at these lineups and figure out which running back we're going to play. Talk to you later.